everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we're talking to Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, keyboardist Tony Kay. Now, here's Tony's story in a nutshell. You're going to hear a lot of this, obviously, in a minute. So he's one of the founding members of Yes. He's there for the first three albums. They're starting to find their sound, really creating something special and different. By the fourth album, he starts to feel like he's sort of unsatisfied with where the band is going. So he leaves, and he's replaced with Rick Wakeman. And that's when they put out Fragile, and they really get huge. Well, he goes on to form other bands. He forms a band called Badger. He joins up with Michael DeBar in Detective. You guys remember that band? He tours with Bowie. He joins the very tail end of Badfinger. What's funny, or at least I think it's kind of funny, I hope he does too, is that there are times in Tony's career where he gives up music entirely to go play tennis. Or he gives up a musical career to go sell t-shirts. He just really is a guy, I think, who does what he wants. And probably doesn't feel like putting up with a lot of crap. And as we all know, unfortunately, and yes, there's a lot of crap. Well, in the early 80s, he gets back sort of in touch with Chris Squire. They form the Cinema Project, which I think you know becomes the 80s version of Yes. So Tony's back for 90125. And Big Generator and Union and Talk, so he's there for the full decade. And then he sort of decides to leave again. As I think most listeners know, that period in the 80s of Yes, especially, Trevor Horn, especially everything he did, that's some of my favorite music that's ever been made. So, of course, I want to hear all about the creation of 90125, but especially Big Generator, because we don't talk about that album very often. Uh, Since then, he's been sort of doing his own thing, and that's the really important part here. He put out his first solo album just a few months ago called End of Innocence. And what it is, is his... I don't know if tribute is the right word, but it's his take on 9-11. It's an album that conveys the feelings that were going on that day. Fear, trauma, death, but also first responders. It's his musical take on everything that was taking place. And it's a very, very unique piece of work. It's largely instrumental, as you might imagine, coming from Tony. There's some singing on there done by his wife, And uh, it's just a very unique piece of work that I would encourage everyone to check out. Obviously, this album just recently came out to commemorate, what, the 20th anniversary of 9-11? So we kick off talking about that. And then we get into all this other stuff. There's a ton. I will say, he and I actually recorded this interview a couple of months ago, and the file got messed up. And I, folks, I am telling you, there is no worse feeling in the world when you've just had a fantastic interview with someone you love that was spontaneous and funny and engaging and the recording doesn't work. So bless his heart, he allowed me, we did it again. And uh, hopefully we recaptured some of that magic, okay? Anyway, Tony called me from his home outside of Tampa, Florida. All right, so let's start with End of Innocence. I, uh... I think it's very unique that you, that this is the project you thought you needed to go all in on. Why did you feel that way? What, what, I mean, we all feel strongly about 9-11, but what caused you to create music about it? Well, you know, I, I, I hadn't really, um, got a, um, a, a perfect vehicle to, to write about in, in the past. It was it was really as simple as that. There was no, um, you know, Dark Side of the Moon had been 
written. Mm-hmm. Um, Six Wives of Henry VIII, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was like, well, I got to come up with something I'm passionate about. Yeah. And of course, uh, life went on. Yes, went on. Tours went on. Moving went on. Every, you know, everything got in the way of really sort of. You know, doing doing something that I was really proud of, and then of course nine eleven happened, and uh, it just really inspired me. As uh, I mean, it affected obviously a, a lot of people in mm-hmm. in all kinds of different ways, but it inspired me to. I was sitting in my house in uh, in Los Angeles, and all my keyboard. I hadn't played in uh, probably five or six years. Mm. And my keyboards were in flat cases in in the garage, and it was a it was a very hot day, and uh, um, I, I I really hadn't been inspired to uh, to unpack anything or mm-hmm. or play. I didn't mm-hmm. really want to play, so uh, it was just one of those times. And I went out the following day. Um, I went to the garage and un- unpacked my keyboards, and actually I had no stands. So I-, I put them on boxes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I had um, I had no recording equipment. Um, of course, I had no uh, digital equipment. I hadn't graduated to uh, digital performer, and uh, I had an an eight track uh, cassette player which I set up. That was the start of it. In fact, a, a couple of the tracks that are on the album um, were from that day and actually wow. started on an 8-track cassette player. The uh, 9-11 Overture, was the, which was which is the second track on the album, uh, yeah. was the first track that I played. Basically, the, the, the keyboards were set to sort of orchestral type uh-huh. stuff, and um, and I just sat down and started playing, and there it was, piano and uh, now uh, is it called Nine Eleven Overture when you sit down to write this thing? I mean, it, or are these songs that are in your head, and afterwards you think, or maybe during the process? Like, you know what, this is reminding me of 9-11, or I'd like to put this under the umbrella of 9-11. Or when you're writing, are you like, I, 9-11's heavy on my heart right now. I'm going to write how I feel. Yeah, they were all written um, specifically w- w- with that day in mind. Okay. I, 
realized very quickly that uh, that if I was going to uh, write an album, which I, I thinking of at the time, I was just writing about particular parts of that day. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we were up at five thirty, and 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 it. it all day yeah and everything everything happened uh in, you know in in that 24 hours really yeah. and i knew that um, that everything that I, I i wrote had a particular meaning to mm-hmm. you know on with what happened with the planes with what happened yeah. with the uh pentagon with what you know uh, of course i i wasn't thinking about titles or, or you know what it was all that came later yeah now there's the song hope and triumph on there Um, which is one of the few that has any lyrics. I don't remember her name. The name of the lady that sings that song. It's so beautiful. The name of the lady that sings that is uh, Danny Torsha. That's and, right. Um, and of course, she be- she became my wife. That's right. Okay. It was an amazing <laughs> thing. Lucky that, you. That happened. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Me, uh, we had we met two two weeks after nine eleven. Uh, really? A friend introduced me, uh, yeah, to her, and um, we started. Uh, she's a, a guitar player, musician, singer, songwriter, uh-huh. and uh, we started sort of writing little things and collaborating on uh, on her music, and, um, and probably I don't know a month uh, a month after, I, I said, you know, I I have this. I have this feeling I, I I can't really write about it. I don't know what to write about uh-huh. um, because because it it was something you know that wasn't particularly direct to that day. Uh huh. It was the the, the footage of the first responders and the police. Oh wow! And I said, you know, I. It, this has got to be written about lyrically and you know with a with a song can you can you write something and uh, and she wrote sweetest dreams it's not I go to sleep, oh, at least I try. 
There's just a little thread of hope I hold on to I guess it's faith that keeps me getting through And in those hours when I feel so all alone You take my hand and gently guide me home It matters every breath you take inside of me By that time, I had my studio. I bought the studio into the house and kind of set it up, you know, properly. But still, I had no recording uh, yeah. equipment, and we recorded it on on the A-track uh, cassette recorder. And that's how it is. That's one of the tracks that uh, that remained the A-track cassette. On uh, I added a, a, a few things later, but uh, basically, yeah, that wow. track sort of stayed the same. Which yeah, is amazing. So all where time, does all that time ago? What's the fate of this album? I mean, are there, I don't, I'm not a big enough prog, you know, devotee to know if there are radio stations that play this music. Is it going to be background music in uh, documentaries about 9-11? Are you going to tour it? Where, what's the fate? Where does it go? Uh, you know, I have no idea. Mm. And uh, it wasn't written to be uh, per <clears throat> se a commercial success. It was mm-hmm. just written for me, and um, I. All these years later, you know, I got together. Well, two years ago, with the uh, with the with Yes again, mm-hmm. and um, played played with them on the fiftieth anniversary, and uh, went on the uh, the Yes couple of Yes cruises and whatnot, and uh, yeah. and gradually sort of got got back involved with the band. Of course, it was great playing with Billy and Jay who, you know, I played, uh, Billy was my partner in Circa. Yeah, Circa, and, right. Uh, so it was great to, to sort of, you know, play shows with them, get back. You see Steve again and Alan and um, got sort of involved with their management um, and Martin Darville, who r- really was the instigator of, of actually finishing me finishing the album uh, he said you you he did, heard the original thing you know which was actually um something i put to uh it was about f- 40 minutes of music that i i put to video it it, it was always you know in my mind that that it was a visual thing i wanted okay. you know the music to be a it was a visual thing you know it was yeah. uh it it happened visually and um and 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 of course sort of 2008 or whatever it was uh i more or less mastered iMovie <laughs> mm. and uh, for the first cool. time you know we 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 novices could um actually edit yeah visuals video so I, I did about 40 minutes, put it up on uh, on YouTube. He saw that and said, you know, you, you really ought to think about 
you know, bringing out an album and and actually finishing it, you know, making it a yeah. um, a complete album. So he really and yes, were the uh, sort of inspiration for actually finishing it. Of course, COVID had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> you know, I I, I moved after uh, shortly after doing the S tour and the and the uh, and the cruises. I decided to. Um, move um, from LA to Florida. Mm-hmm. So there was a great sort of uh, change in, in our lives and uh, a whole different town and yeah. state and whatnot. Yeah. And then um, I, uh, shortly after that, uh, COVID happened right. and uh, I set up my studio and sort of you know, got down to the nuts and bolts of, of uh, finishing it, mixing it, and yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, it's really beautiful, and I hope people find a way to discover it, whether it be through streaming or buying or whatever. I, I should say, I believe part of the proceeds of this, anyway, go to the Gary Sinise Foundation, correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. What made you I choose wanted, that? Um, uh, I was a, I was a fan of, uh, of Gary. Yeah, I I kept seeing him on TV. He, I mean, obviously, you know, we're probably all fans of his as an actor, and right. Uh, but he does incredible work, uh, you know, for for the military and yeah, and first a lot responders of fantastic and, uh, veterans work behind yeah, the scenes. <laughs> really, I I wanted to. You know, originally for the video, the YouTube video, I dedicated it to the uh, to the to the first responders. So it was automatic when I finished it that you know that I I did something the same, um, but in a realistic way. And uh, Gary was the first uh, person I thought of. Okay. Okay. That's great. I hope people get a chance to check it out. Um, okay. Let's go back. I want to talk about the rest of your career too. So obviously I know here's the fun part. (laughs) Um, um, now I feel I, I'm probably not a true yes fan because the eighties. Yes. Is my favorite part. And that's 90125 and big generator are two of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I did have a question though about the beginning. Is it true, or I think I read this somewhere? Did you leave Yes, or were you kicked out of Yes over wanting to use, not wanting to use a Moog? Is that right, or wanting to use more Ham Hammond well, than they were comfortable with, or something like that? Yeah, well, you know, I I I didn't go to John one day or, or John and Chris one day and said uh, and say that. Um, you know, I, I hated mini mooks and mellotrons. Um, it, it was more of a gradual thing than that. I wasn't yeah. uh, very specific about, uh, you know, it was it was just starting to happen. Yeah. Uh, these new instruments coming out. And of course, I was a, you know, crazy Hammond player. Hammond was yeah. my... Uh, was my first love, and you know, quite honestly, they really didn't sound that good to me. I mean, mm-hmm. really, they sort of sounded out of tune, and they they were a bit screechy, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, the the pure sounds of uh, 
of, of piano and, and, and Hammond organ really was a, a, a far away from these, these new, uh, mm-hmm. new keyboards. So yes, I, I, I wasn't um, particularly interested in bringing them into the, um, into the picture. Okay. Okay. And uh, even though on the, on the S album, I, I, I think there was a, a, probably a little a little move and you know we had the, the, the cathedral organ uh, right. uh, at the end of seeing the people and whatnot The cover of America. Oh my gosh. Yes. Of, uh, you know, which really was the beginning of, of the complexity of, of what Yes became. Yeah. Um, and it was actually, you know, fun playing in those days. But, uh, you know, it just got, I don't know. I, um, and after a couple of tours of America, I was really 
sort of digging American music. I'd always uh-huh. been a, a sort of blues rock fan, but certainly being, you know, and I, I, I love the band. The band was my... Uh, was my favorite band at that time. The band. How can huh. you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can you not like and and, and sure. avoid the band? And it wasn't really. It wasn't really high on the rest of the guys' musical priorities. And but for me, you know, and I, I really wanted the band to to sort of, you know, go in a more of a rock direction yeah. in a way, yeah. you know, although there were, you know, there were tracks, yours is no disgrace. And, Absolutely. Um, Rocky tracks and and still are you yeah. know we still play them yeah um, but yeah it was uh, it, it was certainly a, uh, a gradual thing and uh, and of course I I had a band I, I had a band together with um, David Foster who was um, John Anderson's original songwriting, songwriter Harvard, partner right? yep. yeah. On the on the first two albums, so yeah. we had this thing together, and we had a we had a band that you know that actually you know became Badger or was right. Badger, and recorded actually recorded a, a live album with Yes. Let me let me ask a sort of pointed question, Tony. I'm curious about. Um, you've been, you seem to sort of flit in and out of projects. Uh, 
like yes comes along and it starts to get big and you can start to get restless, maybe artistically, personally, whatever. And so you go and start another band and that lasts for a little while. And then you hook up with detective and with, um, Badfinger and Bowie and all this kind of stuff. Are you more comfortable when things are smaller maybe and more manageable or like, and I ask this because it just seems like rock stars, uh, almost all of them aspire just to be as big and widespread and, and accepted as possible. But I get the feeling that you're different than that. You're kind of like, I want to keep this small. As long as I'm satisfying my creative itch, that's good enough for me. I don't need the rest. I don't think it's particularly that I, that, that I like it small. I certainly uh, like to play and to, to, with, to, to be with people that, that I really like. Yeah. And That's that, probably and it. And yeah. I, I, want, I want to be with and I, I'm, I'm actual friends with. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, honestly, if I could have stayed in, in, David's, in David Bowie's band, <laughs> uh, I, I would have been very happy. Yes. You know, um, yeah. but of course, David uh, swapped uh, musicians all the time. Yeah. But I was, um, I was you know, more than uh, content in, uh, in playing with, uh, with David's band. They were, yeah. they were just, you know, great people, great guys and, uh, and a great band. And of course, sure a, a, a big concert situation. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it was, yeah. That it was, damn trio really of Carlos and Dennis and George are one of the. That's they're three of the best musicians ever, and they all play together uh, in under one guy making fantastic music. And you're there. My understanding is that you got the call to join this like the night before, right? What's this? And you didn't play on a Bowie album, yes. but you played on the Station to Station tour, right? Tell us the story about this. Well, I had um, decided to. The, I, I, you know, Badger had sort of fallen apart. Mm-hmm. I, um, I went to New Orleans to uh, to record the second Badger album. Got back to London. Not, nothing really happened with it. It wasn't the right thing, and it, the, the, the band had changed, and it was. Uh, so I just decided to uh, to get up and uh, and leave. Of course, I I I'd been in America for um, I was in New Orleans for nine months mm. and uh, toured and you know been to Los Angeles and I, and I thought you know. I, th- I think I need to uh, get out of London and uh, and and pr- probably find uh, somewhere else to live. So yeah. I got on a plane and um, uh, landed in uh, L.A. with actually one friend and mm. who had a, a clothing store on the on the Sunset Strip, Granny Fixer Trip. So I had someone there and I. Uh, Checked into the um, to the Hyatt House, the Wright House on yeah. uh, on Sunset, and uh, just happened to be in the in the in the suite next to uh, John Bonham, <laughs> which was probably, party all the time. Uh, probably <laughs> a mistake, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it and, led to you uh, getting sober eventually. So maybe there's a silver lining there. But I can't imagine yes, partying with Bonham. Yes, it was, 
he he was an inspiration for yes for me uh i i won't go into the details but sure. uh getting sober is probably a, a, a nice way of putting it yeah okay cool. and we were down uh and we were we were at the rainbow bar and grill every night and then i, I won't say i was an instigator for him leaving but uh, you know he did have to leave Hollywood. It was important for for him to yeah. uh, to get out. So he left. I I I left the riot and uh, uh, rented an apartment and mm. sort of went into a how shall we delicately put it the, the detox situation. Uh-huh. Um, because hanging out with Bonham uh, was pretty intense. Yeah, I bet. So at the end of that, it was my birthday, and my friend Freddie from uh, from Granny's decided to have a birthday party for me at the at the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And it had been a while since I'd been there. Got there, sat down, had a few drinks, and uh, David's tour manager came over. I didn't know uh, that he was actually with David. I knew him from London. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. He was Jimi Hendrix's uh, tour manager. And uh, so he came and sat down and uh, uh, the first thing he said was, can you be on a plane tomorrow? <laughs> I said, yeah, uh, what is it? And yeah. he said, you know, a limousine will pick you up at 8 o'clock in the morning if you want to do it get in the car yeah <laughs> so it yeah so it happened i had uh, i had no idea i yeah. had no idea what it was and 12 hours later i was in um, in jamaica at, at keith richard's house and there was david and um, carlos and george yeah and dennis yeah it was oh uh, my gosh it was quite a yeah, it was quite a uh, quite a thing, really. That's amazing. While you're on tour with David, obviously this is kind of, I think, like the height of a lot of his drug use. But I'm imagining it's good times. I can't imagine how it couldn't be a good time with Carlos around because he's the best. When when you're playing, what is your what song are you most excited to dive into on a night by night basis? Is there something that showcased you where you had a really good solo? Or uh, the, the band was tightest. What's no, your favorite thing? No, not really. There were there were jams that went on, especially at the beginning, because actually yeah. the beginning was uh, we we actually never knew when David was coming out, mm. and um, uh, you know the lights would go up and um, and and we'd start playing. And um, what what is that song? Station to station, isn't it? It's got the really long it, intro. It could be stay or stay. Was it stay? Oh oh, maybe yeah, stay. That's got that great kind of think, almost disco guitar lick that I'm guessing is uh, yes. Well, yes. no, I think it's Adrian Ballou. Was Adrian Ballou on that tour too? No. No, okay, so it was Carlos. No, uh, the, the guitar player was uh, Stacey Hayden. Oh, sure. A guitar okay. player from, uh, from from Canada. But, um, yeah, who originally played on it? it maybe it was Adrian. I think um, it was. I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe it was Carlos. I just couldn't remember who was on anyway, that tour. Anyway, so we, okay. uh, it was, uh, it's a great song to, uh, to jam to. Yeah. And um, the 
the band was just kicking ass yes. from the word go. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so David came out, and of course, when David came out, the, the place went uh, completely nuts. So and great. So, yeah, every, uh, yeah, that, that whole show was um, from the lights to the way David was, you know, yeah. because he was, uh, I guess he had the, the sort of reputation that he was sort of a little bit ragged, you know, mm. uh, living in LA doing uh-huh. probably too much. Yeah, and, cocaine and, uh, pel- you know, and he, peppers. He, and milk. Yeah, that's it. And he comes out in a in a waistcoat, uh, white shirt, and and carrot and uh, red hair, and uh, looking like this sort of character from Berlin. Mm-hmm. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, people were just amazed by um, by his transformation. I bet. Oh, what a period that must have been. Um, it's a shame it couldn't last yeah, longer. Yeah, it, it, it was a great time. I, yeah. I mean, I can't say anything, you know, coming from, uh, coming from Yes, which was sort of yeah. a little bit all over the place. And, right. uh, you know, it was a, uh, and David's band was so tight and so, uh, so funky and so great to play with that uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, amazing. Yeah, different experience. Um, okay, so mm-hmm. yes. Now, when you come back to yes in the eighties, as I said, this is one of my favorite periods of any band's music ever. Um, my understanding is that you and Trevor Horn weren't don't get along too well, and he's one of my favorite producers ever. But he can be, I think, very meticulous and fussy. Maybe how were you? Were you enjoying being back in a band? And my and I think too that. You and Chris were gonna. You were gonna do that cinema project, and little by little, it just becomes bigger and bigger. John Anderson comes back. Trevor hops on. Now it's yes. Now there's big expectations. Is did you ever feel like this isn't what I signed up for, or were you having a good enough time that it was okay? Well, you know, it started with um, it started with the guys getting together. Um, I had met uh, playing ba- playing in Badfinger, actually recording the last Badfinger album in, mm-hmm. in Miami, and I um, had rented a house, which just by chance <laughs> happened to be the, uh, the house next door to Chris's family. Mm. Uh, his wife, Nikki, and, and the kids, and uh, and of course when um, when the band came to town, Chris and I hooked up and uh, and uh, had a few drinks together. And uh, he said, I'm, "I got this guy. I met this guy, uh, uh, Trevor Rabin. He's he's really good. He, and he lives in L.A. So when you get back there, you should uh, hook up with him." Yeah. So uh, that's exactly what happened. And Chris. You know, Chris always had a plan. So, uh, uh, you know, that was his plan. He he knew that that band with Horn going to be around for yeah. <clears throat> and he had he had other plans. So that's what happened. Trevor and I got together and we flew over and uh, we had a rehearsal place, Alan, and and actually Trevor Horn. You know, because Chris and Trevor Horn were pretty good friends. He was going to be the the singer, and you know, it just really didn't work out. Yeah, and really, it was um, it was it was not really playing. You know, yes, 
70 songs. Yeah. We, we, we were playing Trevor's 80 songs. So it was a, it was a, and it was obvious that uh, that uh, Trevor Rabin sh- should be singing his own songs um, because mostly what we were playing were his songs. Right. So yeah, it didn't it didn't really work out. Hmm. But by the time we got to the studio, I didn't really connect with uh, with Horn and. Um, and I'm sure that uh, you know, for the for for what had gone on before, he he probably wanted Jeff uh, oh, to be in the band. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, okay. I um, I didn't I didn't think about it either. <laughs> I just huh. knew that. Uh, yeah, uh, that, he is that famous for replacing band not- members with his own posse of people. That he likes to work with better. And exactly. No one's yeah. done the wiser. I could see that. I didn't even think about that. You're right. But yeah. of course, at the at the same time, um, Asia was uh, riding high. Horizon. Yeah, they were. And, uh, yeah. Asia was Asia was happening. In fact, Raven uh, had audition for Asia. When Chris met him, really, he, he was going to be the guitar player, and of course, you know, two guitars, yeah, two Hal and Raven, probably was not the best thing no. uh, to happen. <laughs> I'm guessing and, Steve uh, Howe is thinking, so, I don't need anyone else doing guitar but me. I got this covered, you know. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Always. Uh, yeah. yeah. That is uh, that is Steve's um, Steve's approach. That's and, probably why uh, GTR did last. Too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I had a question so, about nine hundred one two five on Owner of a Lonely Heart. Obviously, a huge hit. Every song on there is fantastic. have a hand in the creation of that song and specifically you know it it sounds like a normal song and then there's these bursts of you know these like synthesizer bursts in the middle of the song here and there and um i wonder is that you playing those little bursts and if so whose idea was it to insert them into these into the song you know what we need here is this little burst of and tony can you take care of that we had a, a sing clavier in the uh, in the studio, and um, and of course, it, you know, back then, 
the, but no one knew really what to do with a Sinclair. <laughs> it, it it had uh, cows, you know, mooing sounds and 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 thunder and, and lightning and <laughs> so so it was um, it, it but it was obviously you know an, an instrument for sampling anything and yeah. uh, and and eventually those things um, the, 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 those samples in uh, in Honor of a Lonely Heart were were from a James Brown cassette um, mm. and they would they were just sort of accidentally sampled onto the Sinclair. Interesting. And, uh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And uh, Alan, r- right at that, right at that time, um, the rest of the album had been uh, recorded, but for some reason, really no one wanted to, uh, to, to, to record on a lonely heart. Mm. It was a, uh, it was a total last minute uh, Crazy. thing. I had been trying to, uh, get the band to play it since I first heard it, uh, mm-hmm. right at the beginning of, uh, of, of cinema. But uh, no one thought that it was really, you know, in the yes music vein. Yeah. And um, so it was left out. So Alan started messing around. I I actually left the band at, right at that point. Really? Um, I, I couldn't sort of stand the vibe at that time yeah, and uh, yeah. uh with uh with with horn and it it was not a particularly creative uh right. creative time and well i'd been involved with badfinger and badfinger were doing a tour and uh, so i was involved with that and uh went back to the states to uh of course it was not meant to be because uh tommy yeah. Tommy died and the and and the the tour was cancelled. So uh, I was wondering. Yeah, about, I was so, thinking about that. I mean, obviously that's just tragic. And Badfinger still a band that don't get the credit they deserve for being as awesome as they were. But in getting ready to talk to you, I'm thinking if Tommy doesn't kill himself and you go on tour with them instead, um, your your involvement in the '80s version of Yes comes to a close, likely right there. That's it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was completely uh, it was completely up in the air. I mean, I I just you know, uh, of course, John wasn't in the band. It was uh, it was still cinema, and it yeah. was still a very uh, little deal with no money involved. And uh, and I just went back home and uh, actually started a, um, a t-shirt business. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, <laughs> what, that's what do they what say? Like, I'm with stupid? Or what? what's the t-shirt business? I don't know how I got into it, but uh, I was, um, I, being English, the, um, the, 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 the whole concept of swap meets was really uh, oh, a sure. really fun thing for, for me. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started going to swap meets and I thought, you know, I could probably make some money here this is uh you know i'm not gonna make anybody as a rock there. star i'm gonna go to a swap yeah, meet and really. sell t-shirts yeah, that's better that more I lucrative need, <laughs> i need to change direction here so i got this concept of uh of disney characters and rock and roll characters uh, on the front of t-shirts and wow. uh, that's what i did and wow. actually at the at the rose bowl um 
one afternoon sitting waiting for people to buy my t-shirts i heard uh the guitar intro of own of a lonely heart and i thought hmm i think i know that and um during the course of the afternoon i think it was played maybe 30 times oh and oh yeah and i remember thinking oh i think this is a hit <laughs> yes <laughs> um, that's that's a drag yeah uh maybe t-shirts um, don't sound so good after all maybe we should go back to yes yes i mean it was only a few days really after that that uh that Trevor uh, phoned and said, you know, to go on the road. And yeah. uh, I thought, okay, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, with a number one, number one single, this could be yes. fun. Didn't, so, you, uh, yeah, didn't you leave music at one point earlier to become a professional tennis player? Oh, no, no, not a, no. I was too old uh, to be okay. a professional tennis player. I but read that somewhere I, and I just I, thought, I, <laughs> He believe he quits being a rock star no, to become a tennis I, star. It's just that simple. No, no, I I, w- I would have you know just as uh, John McEnroe uh, said to me later, you know, when I got involved with playing tennis with uh, with the tennis guys, you know, I I wanted to become a rock and roll star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, you know. I, I think I, I, I would like to have been a, um, a professional tennis player too. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I wasn't good. I played tournaments, you know, local tournaments. And, uh, and then I got involved with, um, with Vetus and John and yeah. uh, Brad Gilbert. And, uh, and, and we, we did the, uh, the Make-A-Wish tennis music uh-huh. thing. Wild. So, yeah, I got, I got to meet my, uh, my That's favorite great. Uh, tennis players in the 80s, which was great. That's great. Um, okay, I want to talk. Let's talk about Big Generator for a minute. 90125 comes out, it's gigantic. It takes three or four years for Big Generator to come out. How are you guys feeling? Are you thinking we've got a lot of pressure to meet the same level of success that we just had? Because I really like that album, and, and you know, Love Will Find a Way and Rhythm of Love. These are great songs, great singles. They didn't quite reach the same heights, but are you guys. Is that album viewed as a disappointment or are you guys just as happy with it? What are your recollections of Big Generator? I liked Big Generator. I yeah. thought it was, uh, obviously, it was a little late in, in uh, a follow, as a follow-up mm-hmm. to, uh, to uh, Number One Two Five, And we knew that. Uh, it took a long time to... Uh, to write and to and to to make and the, the band was pretty dysfunctional really yeah. at, at the time because that in a way that's the that's the way the band is yeah you know it's not very uh it's 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 not a it's not a band that does things properly yeah i can <laughs> you can tell you know um, people coming in and out yeah, revolving so. door yeah yeah, the revolving door and and albums that took um, for eight, for forever to make, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we went to the band decided to go to Italy and record in a castle because the drum sound was oh going to be fantastic. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Uh, Those were the days. It was pretty weird, and then and then you know people dissatisfied with uh, with Trevor Horn and. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, going to London and then and then then ending up in Los Angeles and uh, because you know really in a in a lot of ways um, because of the success of Donna One Two Five, it really became Trevor's album. Mm. You know, it was it yeah. was his follow up really. Right. And even though you know we had co-written. Uh, um, I had co-written songs with him, Shoot High and... Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm Running is uh, maybe my favorite song, song on that album. Yeah, I'm Running <laughs> was, uh, was, was a great track. actually wanted us to take control of the uh, of the album uh-huh. so you know we ended up in in Los Angeles and that took a that took a long time to okay uh, to, well to he's known finish. for that so he's known for that he's a kind of a mad scientist that takes his time there's a lot of who, bands uh, no oh I'm sorry no Trevor Horn I thought we were talking about Trevor Horn. I guess we're talking about Trevor Raven. Oh no, no, Trevor. Trevor had uh, departed. Ah, uh, okay. From the uh, from the scene, quite you know, six months, nine months before. Okay. Um, it didn't really work out going back to um, going back to London to uh, to uh, Trevor Horn's studio. So. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, we went um, we went back to LA and yeah. uh, actually co-produced it with uh, the guy who did the Mr. Mr. album. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I love really, that album too. <laughs> yeah, it was really hot at the time. Went to so we went to his studio and uh, Trevor Rabin. Um, I know it, it gets a little confusing with the Trevors, but <laughs> I've got um, it mixed up. <laughs> so he, yeah, he took he took over and uh, yeah. So, okay, yeah, it that's a long it. Time. Got it. But I, I, I really like the album. I do too. Um, I, I, actually, I was just before you phoned. I was uh, looking at a live video in Hollywood, Florida, of Whoa. Shoot High and Low. Thank you. 
Really? And yeah, and it sounded really good. I was, yeah. Uh, I was quite surprised. It was actually a, a, um, a fun tour. Good. Did yeah. One of my other favorite songs on there is Almost Like Love. It sounds like it's got horns playing in it, but I'm guessing those are synth horns. And if they are, did you play those synth horns? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I instigated that song almost. Like really? Um, and yes, and, and it's actually not one of my uh, favorite songs. Ah, too um, bad. I love I, it. I, yeah, I was the sort of instigator on a on a drum machine and a, and a, and a keyboard. And we started to play this kind of an up-tempo thing. And, yeah. uh, and everyone liked it. And, uh, actually it was probably better played live on stage. Hmm. Um, it, it had that sort of intro that was, uh, with the horn section. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I okay. think we started, I, I didn't, I think we started the uh, the big generator tour with uh, with almost like love. Really? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I never, I never got to see Yes back in the heyday. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and bands just didn't come through Salt Lake City very often. And oh. um, so I finally oh. saw the the Anderson Wakeman Rabin uh, tour a few years ago, and that's that's it. That's my only experience with Yes. Unfortunately, I've always felt kind of bummed. Oh, about that. is that? Is oh you, so you missed? I missed all of it. <laughs> you missed a lot. I you did. All of it. I mean, I've been a fan ever since nine hundred one two five. I've been a fan of the music, so I've you know I've got like the Yes box set and all this kind of stuff. But uh, as far right. as seeing live, yeah. I never, no one ever came through Salt Lake City, so I never got to got to. See oh, it. oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's I, okay. I love Salt Lake. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. A lot of people don't go through there. Don't make it a priority. Um, Okay, yeah. let's talk about Union for a second because my understanding is that, uh, in spite of the name, this is un being unified is what this album is not. It's kind of people playing parts, sending them in. There's really not a lot of like guys in a room creating music, writing songs, playing together. It's, it was more of just kind of an idea, almost a gimmick. Like let's get every all the old guys back in one spot, call it union, but everyone's just kind of phoning it in from wherever they live. Well, actually, no. That, that oh, good. Really okay. Wasn't it? It, it 
No, it was um, it, it was a follow-up album originally um, started for Anderson Bruce of Wakeman Howe. Uh, ah, okay. Concept uh, that that John formed after um, after the the big generator yeah um, thing, and uh, so they were recording in Europe and and London and and whatever, and the the the, the four of us, Alan, Chris, uh, Trevor, and myself, we all lived in in Los Angeles. It was you know the west it was called the west coast yes and uh nobody really knew what we were doing and they were the east coast yes were recording an album so we were actually rehearsing and finding trying to find a new lead singer Uh you know not going to be in the band um roger hartson uh came to play with us and uh you know, a couple of people, Roger from Supertramp, and uh, we were just riding, and Trevor was re- recording at his studio. He had a studio, and uh, um, he was riding, just riding and recording. And then someone had the bright idea of, um, of I, I think there was dysfunction in the in the recording of the east coast yes oh interesting okay particularly particularly working really great and i think probably someone like clive davis who was uh sort of instigated the uh the 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 the, the coming together of the two things and he clive was a particular fan of uh of, of trevor rabin so he was he was interested in in doing that, but you know, I mean, if you listen to the album, I mean, it's two different things. Yeah, it is. You know, two two different bands. And, yeah, uh, and 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 actually, you know, for the Yes fans, uh, they weren't particularly fond of of the East Coast band because you know a lot of the parts were replaced by other people okay. I mean Billy's brother uh, he he played a lot of keyboards on uh, on Union and uh, Interesting. You know, it was slightly dysfunctional yeah and so it wasn't really it wasn't really a project that was you know gonna gonna probably right. mean anything right ex- except someone had the bright idea of um of putting all of these people on stage at the same time. <laughs> was the tour was fun at probably, least no which was probably the the best brainwave that this person <laughs> ever had so with wow. the inducement of um of of, of money uh the we were encouraged to uh um, fly to to um, Florida to Pensacola and uh-huh. uh, rehearse. Wow! Of course, no one knew <laughs> what the hell was going right. to happen. Yeah, and yeah. it just happened that everyone was totally into it, yeah. and we got. I I I didn't know Rick. I'd never met Rick, and uh, we just got on really well together that's great 
Bill and Alan, of course, got on well together. And it really, we started rehearsing and, and the band started sounding really good. That's you great. Know, there were all these people doing, playing uh, 70s music, 80s music, the, 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 the new albums, a couple of tracks from the new album, and everyone was uh, loving it. That's great. Wow. It worked out. And the toll. And the toll. It worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was really, uh, really, uh, no, no one could believe that it was going to be that successful. No. uh, You know, it was, it was in the round. It was, you know, like the old days, like, like the seventies and Rick was there. Steve was there. Bill was there. We were all there. It was, uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty magical in, in, That's great. in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, and yeah. I'm you saying this. My, so my understand talk. I like the talk album, but it feels a little like who was really clamoring for an expensive, um, big sounding yes album in 1994. I don't know if anyone was, and the calling is one of my favorite yes, yes songs. I love it. But you say, and I've always thought, why, you know, why was so much money thrown at getting, uh, yes, another album out there when the times had changed so much? 
but you talking about the success of this tour and I'm thinking, okay, now I kind of under get, I understand a little bit that labels are like, well, this put these guys on tour and they make, they re- they generate tons of revenue and the music is still strong. Let's p- go all in on one more album and continue to ride this out. But it didn't work out that way. That is that w- kind of what happened now? Well, I, uh, yeah, it, it was the, uh, it was the inspiration of Phil Carson who had um, previously uh, worked for Atlantic Records, uh, who we, who the band had been with uh, a long time, and mm. it was the person who originally signed the band. You know, besides Arnett, it was Phil Carson in England uh, who, who originally signed the band. He formed a record label, and um, and he really was the instigator of you know getting that '80s band to record another album mm. instigated by uh, Trevor, by Trevor Raven. And, yeah. and actually there was not a lot of um, money involved. And uh, we were uh, still, that band uh, was still living in Los Angeles. So we were, you know, pretty much, pretty much together. John and Trevor um, r- really made an effort to get together and, and write. Yeah, it was destined to be, I think, an interest, an interesting album. Except, it was recorded at Trevor's studio, which, which at that time, um, especially, I, I know he expanded the studio, but um, at, at that time was was not really set up to, you know, for a band to play all together. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Um, it, a lot of it was recorded separately. Mm. I don't think the band is, well, probably, you know, you could say that about most bands, you know, have everyone in a room playing. Yeah. It's, it's probably the, you know, the most creative uh, yeah, right. way to record. And, and I do think the album somewhat uh, suffered, mm. you know, because of that. Yeah, I like it. Um, I, I was there. I was there every day. Right, <laughs> that's great. I know. Also, it was the beginning of digital performer. It was True. the first time that uh, um, uh, Trevor had used digital performer. The band had recorded with this digital performer, so it was a whole new. Um, it was a whole new entity that uh, you know we had to deal with. Right. Um, now you did. You chose not to appear at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Why? Two reasons, I guess. Well, the main, the, I don't know about the main one. I, I was, I was very unhappy that, uh, that, that, that Peter had not been included. Hmm. You know, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is supposed to indict the original band. Yeah. And they, they chose not to, you know, right. uh, bands are indicted and they get, you know, people or they haven't seen each other in, in 15, 20 years. And they, they all get together and, you know, I mean, that's, that's what happens. And, and for some reason he, he was not, uh, invited to be inducted. I thought it was, uh, a, a, a travesty really. Right. I mean, he should have been. <laughs> right. So, there's yeah. no ifs and buts. Uh, he was the original guitar player. 
you know, and to get and so I mean, so that that was uh, that didn't go down too well with mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. uh, secondly, you know, the the band were uh, when when it happened, there were there were two bands, there were two two actual working bands, and I thought, you know. This is not going to be. This is not going to be that friendly. Right. <laughs> I can't see. Uh, yeah. There were the band that uh, the Steve's band that is now would try to stop uh, Anderson, uh, Rabin, and and Waitman from right. using yes. You yeah. know, because there was yeah. so there was there was a lawsuit going down, and uh, yeah, and I thought, you know. I don't really think that I want to be a part of this. Yeah, this is not, I get it. This, this is not really the way that I uh, I imagined it. Um, right. But it was great. The band. Well, you're there. And, uh, Do you, you have a statuette on a pole somewhere? I got it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I got it right here. My uh, good. My Grammy was stolen, unfortunately. Oh. So uh-huh. yes, I got <clears throat> I got robbed in. Uh, in Los Angeles, and they uh, they took my gold albums and my Grammy. Oh, which was, uh, not not a good thing. I'm that still sucks. waiting for them to uh, re- replace it. Right. Um, but, you know, I had a I had uh, thankfully my lovely wife organized a, a party for me the night of the Grammys, and uh, we basically invited uh, everyone that we knew. Uh, in Los Angeles, and we had we had a great time. So yeah, well, good. So um, it, it didn't matter. One of my listeners, Philip Hopwood, um, when I told him that when I well we have Patreon supporters, and when I sent it out to let him know who I'm interviewing, some people provide questions. Uh, he was curious about your work with Billy Sherwood. I, um, you guys, as Circa, go, is that is Circa still an active thing? Do you just play when you feel like it? How do you? How does your relationship carry on today? Well, you know, when we when we first started, I think in uh, I don't know two thousand eight or maybe later. Uh, obviously, you know, Billy wasn't uh, playing in the band at, at, at that point. I was 
completely retired. I, I was not. Uh, I was not playing at all. He basically badgered me into uh, coming to his his studio and and playing. And uh, and gradually, it uh, uh, we got Alan White involved. Mm. And gradually, it be it it became circa and a you know and a real thing. We didn't really intend to tour. We just wanted to be in the studio. Billy's very much a studio, uh, uh, okay. you know, crazy cat, and yeah. uh, he he, uh, he he loves uh, you know he loves creating. He loves mm -hmm. writing. He loves he loves creating. He loves playing. Of course, he plays drums, keyboards, <laughs> guitar, as well as being an amazing bass player. So. Uh, He's just a, a workaholic, and he just dragged me and you know by my behind into the studio mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't let me go. And uh, we we done some pretty um, pretty nice albums, I think. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. Over the years, and we're in the middle of recording uh, a, a new one now. So, oh, good. Uh, it, oh, that's it great. Continues. Yeah, good. It, it continues. Okay. First of all, um, is it true that you sold your yes royalties for $10,000? Yes. I sold the royalties on the, the first three, the first three albums. Okay. And, um, um, it was really, uh, you know, what I wanted to come to America and it was the uh -huh. way to, to do that. Okay. Um, you know, eventually, eventually, I I got them back, but of okay, course, okay. I, I I lost. Um, I I definitely lost <laughs> quite a lot of money on. Uh, yeah, you co-wrote. Yours is no disgrace. So that's uh, that's kind of a shame. Yeah, I I I, I still had my uh, publishing royalties. Oh, good. Okay. So okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, then uh, um, that that was cool. Yeah. Well, at least you got it back. That's good. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. Last question. We haven't even we barely talked about Detective. I find Michael Debar to be a really fascinating character because I feel like he's somebody who had the look, had the sound, had the talent, and all of his musical endeavors never quite kicked off like they should have. You know. There's whether it's Detective or Checkered Past or Silverhead, he should have been a rock star and never quite made it. Not all the way, you know. What was it like working with Michael in Detective? Well, you know, Michael is just um, uh, unique. He's yeah. a unique character, and he is the uh, he is the epitome of, uh, of rock and roll. Yeah, and uh, you know, you could never take take that away from him and you know actually really was a, a bored actor he was he's mm. an actor he is and yeah he's great at it. which is you know mo most of his success is uh is in the acting world and that's what he loves to do you know but he's he's a rock and roller and would have loved to have been in, in a um in a big rock and roll band of course uh he was in uh 
power station, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Palmer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he got to, uh, he, he has got to uh, and enjoy, you know, a, a lot about the, the, uh, the rock and roll world. But you could apply that to a lot of people in a lot of different um, creative professions, you know. Yeah, uh, Or there's a thousand tennis players that should. Ah, good point. You know, they should have made it. Yeah. There's a, a, a thousand actors who have gone through the, the mill in Hollywood who probably shouldn't. There's only, you have to be really lucky to, yeah. to, 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 to become really successful. Yeah. Um, and you should really appreciate it, you know, when it happens to you. So I don't, I don't think uh, Michael has any regrets. Um, Good. At least not that I, <laughs> not that I know of. And uh, he's, uh, he's just a, a really good. He's a deep, deep guy. He's a deep thinker. And, I love him. Uh, very smart. Very, yeah. Very intelligent, and uh, you know, good, good man. Were you? Did you enjoy making that music? Was that kind? Of, or I mean, it didn't last very long, unfortunately. But were you all in on that project? guest in uh, you know because okay. detective um existed and uh and of course was signed um by uh, swan song and zeppelin loved them yeah. and uh, uh and th they actually sounded a lot like uh, zeppelin in, in a did. lot of ways mm -hmm. so yeah so actually the keyboards never really um entirely fitted in you know with with the band, with the music, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, they were, you know, everyone in the band was, uh, was fun. Okay. Um, Bobby Pickett, we're, we're still friends. And, uh, uh, John Hyde, of course. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Michael, Michael Monick. And, uh, of course I, I don't live there anymore. So, uh, you know, sort of, yeah, don't, true. Don't see these people. What, speaking of not living there anymore, what I mean, what do you do every day? What does Tony K do every day? 
Is he fully retired? Is he making music? Does he, how do you make a living or do you just live off the royalties well, from your rock career? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Good. I, 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 I live deservedly so by the way. Uh, yeah. There, um, I, I mean, I moved to a beautiful place. It's a, it's a, just a fabulous place to live. And of course, before COVID, um, there, there, there's a, a, a lot of creative music things and uh, theater and acting stuff here. You know, it was uh, it, it, it was actually a perfect place to uh, uh, to move to in in, in a creative way. And uh, before COVID, I had a, a, a trio with my uh, with my wife, mm. and um, we we played around and. Uh, but you know, I, I just I, we live on the water here. Nice. Both. You live in Tampa, right? No. Oh, a little, I thought you did. A little further south. Okay. Okay. A little, a little further south. Yeah. Um, okay. I was going to say Tom Brady thought few, enough of it to a, come live there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's quite a few. Uh, Quite a few musicians actually live here. Of course, uh, Brian from ACDC, oh, nice. uh, he's he's lived here for a while. Uh, Joe Perry's my neighbor. He lives uh, he lives really? across the street. So no uh, way. Um, there's quite a few people. Actually. That is great. Of course, wow. um, <clears throat> pa- Patrick Moraz, uh, he lives here too. Really? So there are two uh, <laughs> two yes keyboard players. Uh, That's <laughs> great. Live That's here. great. Um, Singer from uh, Foreigner. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, yeah Kelly. Um, a, so do you play a lot of golf or a lot of Kelly. tennis every day or what? Yes. Okay. Tennis. Both Excellent. Tennis. Excellent. Good. What a life. You've earned it, man. You've earned it. I, I just want to tell you, Tony, uh, yeah. you're behind. You are a key figure in some of my favorite music that's ever been made. And so thanks for all the good you've put out in the world because it's made my life better. Thank you for doing that. Well, I, I appreciate that. That is great. It is always very uh, satisfying, you know, yeah. to, uh, to know that, you know, you're, you're playing and music has, yes. you know, make people happy. It's, it did. You did it, at least for I, me. I hope that people get – I hope that people get the um, – and the Vincent Me too. And uh, listen to it for what it is. That's exactly how I feel. It's- All right, gang, there you have it, Tony K. Hall of Famer. I understand his reasons for not going to the Hall of Fame. I wonder if he regrets that. But anyway, the guy's a legend. And he's played on so much legendary music, he can do whatever he wants. And by all means, like I said, check out End of Innocence. This right here is a song that he actually asked me to close out the episode with. It's Flight 11. He's really proud of this particular piece of music, as he should. This is a really interesting piece of work. Uh, Now, next week's guest, as I mentioned before, we were kind of doing three weeks in a row of people who were doing really interesting things with synthesizers. Next week is our last guest that sort of fits that qualification. And he is a member of one of... I think the most important bands ever, and especially the most deserving band to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that is not. Uh, They mixed 
punk and new wave well punk and synthesizers in a way that basically created new wave that's my feeling i probably just gave it all away but anyway that's who's coming up next week huge thanks as always to yan the man makevich my right hand man for all that you do thank you buddy for everything you guys you can find us on facebook and like our page you can send us a message on there or you can send us an email at the at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at the hustle pod uh this week we should have two bonus episodes one of our friends a friend of the show has a musical project that is absolutely interesting and ambitious he's going to be coming on in a couple of days as a bonus episode and if you i hope you've been enjoying the podcaster panels they're really just our way of saying you know thank you and we love you and checking in with our podcasting friends we're going to do another one of those this weekend um so that will be up as soon as it's done on sunday Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention something that didn't come up in this conversation that's really interesting. Uh, Tony started out in a band that played in Hamburg while the Beatles were there. Go check. I mean, he probably mentioned that in some other interview, and I forgot to mention it in here or we ran out of time. But anyway, Tony's life is so rich and so interesting. You got to check it out. All right. Thanks, everybody. We love you. Thank you.